0: Welcome back, Fiction Friends. It's Anita Capri, and you have tuned in to Not Just Any Other Story. I'm so happy you joined us. We are going to be continuing with our reading of The Shopping Cart People, and I'm very happy to have my good friend Catherine here as my guest this week.
1: Catherine and I go way back 10 years, maybe. We met at work for the first time and Anita was my very first mentor in a new school board. I'm really happy to be here today and read her first publication.
0: Thanks, Catherine. I'm so excited. Anyway, we're going to start with chapter 20 in this episode. We, I believe in the last chapter, Angel has arrived in Italy with uh, her sister Tilly and um, she has met Giovanni, right? Mm And yeah, so we're going to start with chapter 20, and it's called Moments of Perfect. After a labored conversation of half English and half Italian, along with a bottle of wine and some prosciutto with bread and olives, I felt completely exhausted. Tilly didn't miss a thing. In what seemed to be normal to Giovanni, she practically kicked him out of the apartment. Giovanni, you go now. My sister's tired. Stanca. capisci? Si, si. No problemo. He got up from the couch before I could stand to say goodbye. He took my hand to help me up off the very low, very soft couch, then kissed me on both cheeks weeks. I see. Clearly he was stumbling to say something in English to me as I had not really explained to him that I understood Italian fairly well. Eo, he continued. Domani. Yes, yes, Domani. Tomorrow we'll see you, Tilly interrupted, her tone becoming impatient. She took him by the elbow and led him over to the door. I went to the window in an attempt to give them some privacy, but I couldn't help but take a peek out of the corner of my eye. He leaned over and kissed Tilly while his hand reached around to her back and then down over her her right buttock. I almost let out a giggle. Yes, he was bold, all right. When he turned to go, he winked at me knowing full well that I'd been watching. Tilly seemed unaffected by the whole thing. Why couldn't I have just a little bit of her confidence? And what should I call it? sexual freedom? There was only one time in my life when I didn't seem to have any hang-ups about sex, and we know—we all know where that got me. Come on, she said when he left. Let's get into our PJs. That's if you wear them, and you can tell me about your new man. I know you have one. Mom blabbed it, just so you know. I was almost afraid to tell Tilly about Les, yet I was bursting to tell her at the same time. While I relayed the details of our first encounter at Bev's party, then our first date at and subsequent dinner with the family, she was mesmerized. When I'd finished, she nodded her head. You two better sleep together soon. God, I can just feel the sexual tension just listening to you. You cannot, I protested, laughing. Tilly smiled that knowing smile. Just as she was about to get up off the bed, I suddenly felt the urge to tell her to finally get the secret off my chest for once and for all. So before I lost the nerve, I blurted out, he's Harry's father, Tilly. As soon as I said it, she slumped back down onto the bed and looked at me, her eyes wide with surprise, her mouth slightly open. I must say that for once, I was the one to shock the hell out of Tilly. She was at a complete loss for words. When I saw him at Bev's housewarming party, I explained, my heart now spilling over with excitement. He noticed me, Till. He noticed me and he likes me, for me. Not because of Harry, he actually likes me. At that Tilly leaned in close to me her expression warm and assuring why wouldn't he like you you're beautiful and you're wonderful angel I looked into her serious gray eyes and i began to feel overwhelmed with emotion i began to cry it was as if i'd been suddenly as if i'd suddenly been released from the weight of a great burden Now that I had finally told someone, I felt like a secret agent who'd finally been taken off of some long, dark mission that had lasted years. Following a long, sisterly embrace, I described the goodbye kiss the night before I left for the airport. I knew she would appreciate the obvious feelings of attraction I felt for last that came out with every detail of my narration. Just at the mention of it, I could feel my insides churning. Do you love him?" She asked. I I think so. I still don't know him that well, but I feel like I could actually be falling in love with him, with Harry's father. God, I still can't believe it. Tilly chuckled. It seems so weird to hear you say that. Usually it's the other way around. You fall in love, then you have the child, then sometimes you fall out of love. Her expression became pensive all of a sudden, and I knew exactly what she was going to say. Hey, since you've done it all backwards, maybe you'll end up falling in love and staying in love. Okay, so there is some sort of logic in that. Do mom and dad know he's Harry's father? She asked with a look of wariness. Mom knows. She guessed it. I didn't even tell her. I thought of my father at that moment. When he'd driven me to the airport, he'd been very quiet. He asked me only a few questions about the trip, if I was excited to go, if I would be able to stand being away from Harry. When he'd said goodbye to me, he looked almost worried, like he didn't want anything to go wrong in my life. Not now, not ever. I figured that either Mom had told him or that he just knew somehow. Perhaps he'd just figured it out the same way that my mother had. In any case, it was certainly not the ideal time to talk about it. That was one conversation I could wait for. I haven't told anyone else, not even Moira knows. I just can't. What if it doesn't work out? What if it does, she said with a hint of scorn. You have to tell people you love. This is part of your life. He's part of your life now, Angel. Whether it works out or not, if you keep it from him, then, well, then even I won't forgive you, not to mention your son. I knew she was right, of course. I guess I just needed someone to say it. And despite how much Tilly loved to play the Joker and appear so casual about her relationships, her words revealed that she too wanted to find it. I wasn't even sure what it was. Was the it... What that what we were searching? Oh my goodness. What was the it that we were all searching for? True love, happiness, success. I realized at that moment that if I was waiting for a perfection, then I would never find it. It wasn't about perfect love or a perfect job or perfect happiness. Was there such a thing? I knew I would have to settle for moments of perfect. Yes, that was it. Living your life between moments of perfect and this moment with Tilly, when the greatest kept secret of my life had been unveiled. This was definitely one of those moments of perfect. And that's that end of chapter 20. So well, what did you think of that?
1: A reunion of lost love reunited. It seemed so special that he liked her for her and not because she had his child. What a connection. Yeah, I, um, and they have a connection,
0: like you can sense it in every sort of, even when he's kind of playful with her and makes her feel uncomfortable there's always this sexual tension. But I love that um, there's also this she does she she lets her mind get the better of her sometimes and lets her mind start taking control because she's very
1: cautious right now, right? She seems very cautious. And when her sister asks her, if she loves him, she says she thinks so. And so they had one encounter early on. And this reconnection all of these years later, and still the spark is alive.
0: Yeah, wouldn't that be the best, day, hey, Catherine?
1: <laughs> that would be the ideal, ideal love, wouldn't it? It very much would be so nice to have uh, a lost love reconnected and the spark just as strong. I wonder how, if we're speaking
0: about personal experiences. Oh, goodness. Okay, so let's continue.
1: And Catherine, you're going to read Tilly's Italy, Chapter 21. Thank you, Anita. The next morning, I felt as if I were waking up to an opening scene in a movie. I lay there under the crumpled sheets that were in perfect disarray across my body. The sun streamed in through a large window and cast a warm yellow glow across my face until the glare of it forced me to shield my eyes with my arm. Finally, fully awake, I sat up and I tried to orient myself to my new surroundings, recalling that I was in a foreign place. I turned the corner of the ceiling. It was a little black. There was a little black spider hanging from the corner of the ceiling. What seemed like, from what seemed like an invisible cobweb. It looked like it was dancing, bobbing along the silky thread and crawled up and up. Normally, I would have had a broom already in hand and whacked it into oblivion. I didn't like spiders, but this Italian spider was too graceful and too determined for me to even think about doing it any harm. Besides, it would have ruined this beautiful scene. I closed my eyes again and I listened to the vibrant bustle of the street below. It made me feel as if I was part of something bigger. The window was slightly ajar and the smell of freshly baked bread was something sweet and tickled my nostrils. I felt hungry all of a sudden. I could hear the banter of a woman and a man outside. They were very happy. It was a happy banter, the kind that you don't mind waking up to. Every so often it was drowned out by the odd car or motorized bike going by. I had no idea what time it was but the cool fresh breeze that billowed in told me it was early enough to stay in bed at least a little while longer. Then another sound entered the scene. It was Tilly moving across the kitchen, the sound of cups and saucers, dishes, cutlery being placed on a table. I guess she was making coffee, real coffee, espresso, the way coffee should be. (laughs) The smell of it overtook the apartment and mingled with the aroma of baking and flowers. It was glorious. I felt a little guilty that Tilly had slept on the couch, but she had insisted that at least for my first night's stay, I have the bed all to myself. You'll need a good night's sleep with no chance of me disturbing you. You have a busy day ahead of you tomorrow, she'd warned me. I knew it was no use arguing with her. Now, after a good night's sleep, I was ready for what Tilly had in store for us, though a small part of me felt a little nervous about this as well. Tilly was spontaneous and seemed to fear nothing. I, on the other hand, had a plan to everything. And though I loved surprises, I always approached them with caution. I opened the bedroom door. Tilly, who had been cutting some bread into thick slices, looked up and smiled at me, her dark hair falling in front of her eyes. Tilly had mom's beautiful thick wavy hair, which she wore at shoulder length bob. Her light gray eyes were big and friendly, her lips shapely and seductive. My eyes were almost the same colour as hers, but a little more on the blue side, and smaller, as were my lips. There was no doubt in my mind, sorry, there was no doubt that my colouring and features had come from Dad's side of the family. My lighter complexion and taller frame made us unlikely sisters, but the facial expressions and our unmistakable laughter were dead giveaways. Ready for some toasted raisin bread and jam? Tilly asked as she placed the thick slices of panettone and a little toaster in a little toaster oven. Hmm, yes, it smells wonderful. Is coffee ready? My mouth was watering again. Here, she poured some espresso into a huge cup and she had already filled with a lot of milk and placed in front of me. Cafe latte for the lady? I drank it so fast that she laughed and started making another. So what do you think of Giovanni? She asked as she sat down. Be honest now. Giovanni? She pondered as I took a sip of coffee and looked at the soup bowl. He's amazing. He seems smitten with you. I know, he's a great cook, too. But I get the feeling that you're not as smitten with him. Mm, she thought for a moment. You may be right. He's gorgeous and pretty hot in the bedroom. She smiled to herself. He really is a sweetheart. But it seemed as if she was searching for the right words. But he's just not forever. Well put, Tilly. I'm not looking for Mr. Wright, though, she explained, her tone changing from playful to serious. Not right now. I'm just too mobile at this point in my life. Too mobile, I asked? Yeah, I don't know for how long I'll be living here. I'd like to stay, but I just don't know. Once this project is over, then it might be back home for me. I sensed a little regret in her voice. Do you want to go back? I asked. Not yet. I'm not ready. I miss everyone back home. But I really love my life here too. She sounded almost apologetic. I'm thrilled for you, Tilly. I'm glad you love it. I love it here too. And I've only been here less than 24 hours. I leaned back in my chair and stretched a huge yawn escaped from me. I, I could cover my mouth. You never know, but I'll stay and never go back. I mused lazily. Mind you, I'll have to send for Harry. Oh, and don't forget about Mr. What's his name again? Les? She had me. Yes, it's hard to forget about him. I pictured Les's face in my mind and remembered that last kiss in front of the clinic. I got a chill and shuddered. Oh, did you think of something naughty till he teased? It's just I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. What he had given me that wonderful, quivery feeling that ran through my whole body whenever I thought about him. He's a great kisser. Tilly giggled. Well, that's a start. The phone rang suddenly, startling both of us. Tilly jumped up and answered. Pronto, she said. CC. After a few moments of nodding and responding in a tone far more composed than what I had been used to hearing from her, she sat back down and looked at her watch. We better get a move on. We have to be somewhere in a couple of hours. Where's that, I asked, wondering what the first adventure of the day would entail. You'll see, just don't get too dressed up. You might get a little dirty, she advised looking over her shoulder with a devious smile as she got up to clear the dishes from the table. Considering her warning, I didn't even bother to ask if it involved real dirt, men or both. And that is the end of chapter 21.
0: You know, I I wanted to, it's so funny, because bread plays, it keeps coming up in this story. The mother brings fresh bread to Tilly's house early on in the story. And she just savors the aroma of it. And then, of course, there's the fresh bread So, and I had said when I, um, we did chapter one, that bread was very important in my family, as is food, (laughs) but definitely you, you get that idea of, um, you know, the, the smells and the sounds and the tastes of Italy,
1: right? Absolutely. And the smell of coffee, espresso, cafe latte, all of these scents just bring me back to Italy. And the bustling nature of motorcycles on the street. And at the same time, the little old ladies talking with each other and that banter that goes back and forth, all really feels like a community and feels like a real quaint sort of neighborhood where people get together and enjoy each other's company. Yeah, I you know
0: the when I met with uh, somebody else and we talked about Italy as well because the last few chapter the last chapter was I read with somebody who also went to Italy. I I just honestly I feel like I need to go back just talking about it. <laughs> everything about it, just everything about those little European towns, they're all oh, so beautiful.
1: The old architecture, the artwork, the cobblestone roads, the independently owned cafes and restaurants just feel so warm and welcoming. And whether you speak Italian or not, somehow it just feels comfortable. It's so different. Like life, when you think about it, like
0: in Canada, I think proximity is, is a big factor. Like it's so big here. Right. So you have to drive everywhere. Whereas there they have these sub centers, right? Like these little villages and you can just everything, people walk. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, you know, I know they have big box stores and things like that, but they're kind of out of these cities. Um, and I just feel like, like when you think about size, like I was telling somebody this the other day, the size of France, Ontario is bigger. Just one province in Canada, Ontario, is bigger than France, the country of France, you know? So just to, if you can think about how
1: vast, you know, it is. It's incredible. And in Italy, they have these beautiful squares where people come together. Piazzas. Piazzas, there we go. And so there's these sweet restaurants. And then often there'll be these pop-up musical ensembles that come together and sing sing and play instruments. and often there's standing room only and this feeling of togetherness. So the the smallness of it, even if it's only temporary, makes it feel like you're together sharing in a moment. Absolutely. It makes me want to go back to Italy.
0: <laughs> are you going back? I thought, are you going back this summer?
1: I I'm thought not going back this summer.
0: Oh, I, I thought you were going go-
1: to Amsterdam.
0: And oh, not Italy, Amsterdam and Belgium. Okay. <laughs> but you have been to Italy, I have so you know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on to, I really like this chapter for numerous reasons. I'll talk about it after, but do you want to read this one or Vieto? How about we share it? okay we're because it's a longer one mm-hmm. okay so we're going to share chapter 22 I'll kind of go halfway through at a good spot and then you actually you should start because I should be in this The I should be in the second part and, and I'll tell you why after okay, okay. you're gonna start okay. okay chapter
1: 22 Orvieto. Okay, Orvieto. Orvieto was a stunning town. The previous evening, I had neglected to take the picturesque view of its monumentous—sorry, momentous—which, from a distance, peaked proudly through the tall trees. The city stood high atop a rocky plateau and seemed superimposed against the backdrop of hills that folded gently around it defensive walls were built around the city, perhaps still defending it against the evils of the outside world. Though Giovanni had driven his car up the town from the valley below, not all cars were allowed to drive through this much-preserved treasure. Apparently, visitors were banned from taking their cars into the old town and had to take either a bus or a lift from the parking lot below the city. Tilly pointed out the Duomo A medieval cathedral built around 1290 and Gothic in its architecture. Then she explained that there existed some controversy about the master builder. Some historians and residents credited the design to Arnofo di Cambio, a famous architect from what seemed that in that time period known to have sculpted many an important statue in its day but a more popular belief was that an obscure monk, na- monk named Fra Benghiate from Perugia was responsible for its construction. I preferred the latter. It seemed more romantic to think of someone a little out of the ordinary as the visionary of such a magnificent structure. Though I was anxious to see the rest of the town with its underground tunnels, caves and ancient edifices, Tilly had to meet with another site engineer At an archaeological site just northwest of another, um, west of Orvieto. This was just one of the many that Tilly had visited as part of her assignment in Italy, which was exciting on so many levels. The engineering firm that she had worked with was very forward thinking and innovative in its field of city planning and the preservation of historic sites. Though a French company, it had its Sorry, it had uh, expanded to some of the major North American cities about five years before. Tilly was offered a job with the company almost immediately when they opened their small Toronto office. It didn't take long for her to show them how smart she was. Her knack for dealing with people and getting what she wanted got her recognition, the recognition she needed for an opportunity like this one. It seemed that preserving or rebuilding historic districts was a service much in demand, not only in Europe, but all over North America. Governments and town councils were becoming more concerned with not only maintaining the historic integrity of their cities and towns, but in enriching these pockets both structurally and aesthetically. Tilly was responsible for studying how the Italians meshed the old world with the new amidst a society that was changing and growing. As we stood in the shadow of the enormous rock above us, she talked about some of the archaeological digs that she'd worked at, most of which were projects that had been completed years earlier. She had researched how the land was used following such historical discoveries, whether it was preserved and designated sacred territory, or if the land was used in a different capacity. According to her, most of the cities that exposed significant clues about the social and political history of the region were never used later for commercial or residential expansion. Things just seemed to stay as they were. While we took the local bus down to the parking area, Tilly announced that her friend, Stéphane, would be coming to pick us up. Stéphane was originally from France, but one of the archaeologists working on the dig. Is he cute? I asked, curious about this other man in her life, whom she had not yet made the slightest mention. Um, Tilly didn't answer at first, but there was something about the way she smiled that told me that he was someone who was of some interest to her. He is, but just not the kind of cute you might like. I was shocked. She didn't even think, I didn't even think that Tilly knew my type what my type actually was. Then I realized that I wasn't even sure myself. Les did, of course, pop into my head. In that moment, I pictured his bright green eyes that seemed to be always smiling, his short dark hair, his lean body, and his lips, which weren't too big or small, just perfect. Stefan showed up Just as Tilly began to say, he's always late, that man. Despite being only 10 minutes behind schedule, Stefan was very apologetic. He ignored her comment about hiring a taxi for the day. I couldn't figure out if she was joking or not just because Stefan didn't smile or laugh the way I had interpreted as Tilly's sarcasm. He was definitely the serious type. The first thing I noticed when he stepped out of the car was how tall he was. I was surprised that he was driving such a small car. (laughs) When I had sandy colored hair, that was almost as long as Tilly's. He greeted me in the usual European fashion with a kiss on each cheek. And then he did so when he did so. I couldn't help but notice his eyes. They were quiet eyes. I almost wondered whether he was hiding them expressly behind the dark rectangular framed glasses he wore or whether he needed the glasses at all. The dig was situated about 15 kilometers northwest of Orvieto. The short drive allowed me the opportunity to gaze at the countryside with its rolling hills of volcanic tuff, which were covered in trees and the odd vineyard. It looked like a picture on a postcard. The site was just outside of the town of Castle Viscardo. It seemed, at a distance, to have its own unique medieval charm. A group of students from the United States, France, and Italy were there looking very busy, despite the fact that no one seemed to be doing any digging, which I thought was the whole point of the dig. Stefan was kind enough to explain, in perfect English, that the dig was actually completed, at least for for, for the time being. It was just a matter of cleaning up and leaving markers in designated spots around the villa, complex for future reference, and perhaps for further investigations. I was glad for Stefan's company when Tilly had to go off and talk to her fellow engineer, who donned a cream-coloured suit, somewhat ill-fated attire, for a dig site. Stefan suggested that I take a walk around if I was interested. He promised to find me after he checked in with some of the students from the International Archaeological Team. I wandered around the cordoned-off areas, but there wasn't actually a lot to see. Mostly piles of dirt. I recalled Tilly's comment about not dressing up because I might get dirty. As usual, she had meant exactly what she said. I found a quiet spot just over the hill that overlooked a deep valley. I could make out a few scattered houses or villas. They so liked to call them. The town of Castle Viscardo was also visible. I hoped we would have time to explore it. An hour had passed, maybe more, when Stefan joined me, apologizing once again for his tardiness. He seemed much less shy in his element. He used the time we had waiting for Tilly as an opportunity to tell me a little bit about the site. Apparently, this particular area in the archaeological hub of the region was inhabited for a very long period of time by the Etruscans, Etruscans. Etruscans <laughs> and into the Roman imperial era, which was... I would also learn, meant from 200 BC, around 44 BC, the year when Julius Caesar was appointed dictator of Rome. As well, a few kilometers away, he informed me the Paglia River flows into the Tiber, also very useful for the Etruscans and the Romans.
0: Sorry, I need to read this part,
1: <laughs> My apologies for the mispronunciation. <laughs> um, so, Stéphane must have noticed the yawn that I had tried to muffle as he finished his mini-history lesson. He smiled. Ah, oh, the man does smile, finally. I'm sorry to be talking about this. It isn't very exciting for you, is it? He said in his thick French accent. No, I protested. I think I'm just a little tired still from my flight yesterday. I think this is all very interesting. I've learned a lot today. And I meant every word. Stefan seemed to be relieved, though he tried to continue to be politely attentive to me while Tilly was otherwise occupied. I noticed that his eyes kept wandering over to where he was engaged in a lively conversation with a casually dressed man who appears to be in his 60s. He looked like an archaeologist or a professor. So, so he's, he's
0: looking... What do you think? First of all, he's looking at her from across the way, right? While well, she's talking to a professor. What do you think so far of Stefan?
1: Stefan seems like a very polite person <laughs> who seems to be temporarily fulfilling a duty, it seems. He wants to keep her occupied and interested my off base? No, totally. Like so he's he is
0: very polite, absolutely. But do you sense anything else? His attention
1: <laughs> is divided.
0: <laughs> All right, well you'll hear. Mm-hmm. You'll see as the story goes on and she's in Italy. Mm-hmm. He's okay, I'm not going to say anything cuz I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Okay. Do you want me <laughs> I guess yeah, I'll continue. I'll start continuing. Okay. So, here we go. So he's looking at Tilly who's occupied. Okay. I liked Stefan and I sensed that he was very fond of Tilly. There you go. <laughs> this I wanted to, you to ask you if you sensed that before I read that. That's why I stopped you there. Um, this became even more obvious while we were driving back later on that after, later on that afternoon. No matter what Tilly said or did, he seemed seriously engrossed in her chatter. He had a sense of calm about him just turning the page here. It was nice to be in the company of someone who just enjoyed listening. Upon our arrival back in Orvieto, Stefan parked the car at the entrance to the lifts. He got out of the car to say goodbye like a true Frenchman, bending down to give me les bises, the double-cheeked kiss of the French. He said, it was nice to meet you, Angel. I was beginning to really take to his French accent, which was truly charming. Yes, it was great to meet you too, Stéphane. Thank you for driving us today. Tilly jerked her head in my direction as if she were slightly embarrassed that she hadn't once thanked him for picking us up and dropping us off. Though perhaps a little annoyed with me for thinking of it before she had, she quickly diverted her attention to Stefan, who had moved in to exchange his goodbyes with her. Then I saw something in Tilly's expression that surprised me. She looked directly into his eyes as he moved from cheek to cheek while saying, chow in a semi-whisper. I was completely enamored with this timid display from the same person who had practically ignored him most of the day. Then suddenly she gave a start. "'I almost forgot. We have a dinner date with Giovanni in an hour.' She looked at me and then at Stefan, and after a brief moment, moment's hesitation, asked him if he wanted to join us. I can't believe she's inviting him to somebody else's house for dinner, just like that. Maybe that's an Italian thing. Though his body language seemed to exude an air of indifference at Tilly's invitation, I noticed a spark of something in his eyes. For that one instant, he had let his guard down. As he accepted the invitation to Giovanni's place, he tried to hide his pleasure, at being given the chance to spend more time with my sister. I waited for her reaction. Please show him you're happy. He said, yes, please, Till. She gave him a quick smile. Great. Then after an awkward moment of silence, she suggested that we chill out at her place for a while. Because he didn't live in Arvieto, but in Bashi, which was about 45 minutes south of the city, he parked his car in the visitor lot. I noticed he didn't even try to find a spot that was remotely close to the elevators. So unlike us North Americans. (laughs) I was convinced at that moment that Stefan was a keeper. I just had to make Tilly realize it. As we made the 20-minute trek back to her apartment, Stefan asked me about the family. His timidity was slowly overshadowed by his curiosity for finding more about Tilly's roots, and I was very happy to indulge him. Tilly didn't protest. She was uncharacteristically quiet while he questioned me about mom and dad and our siblings. He already knew that she had two sisters and a brother, and she must have told him about Harry because he asked why he hadn't accompanied me to Italy. I felt very comfortable sharing a little about my life and Harry, and I rambled on a little more than usual. It was unlike me to speak so freely about Harry to someone I didn't know very well. Perhaps being so far from home did that to a person. Stéphane, I would learn, grew up in France, his mother's native country but his father, who was Italian, made sure that he knew just as much about the country across the southern border. Border. Consequently, Stefan had visited Italy regularly, and his father spoke to him in Italian most of the time, hence his fluency in both languages. When I asked him how it was that he spoke English so well, he explained, smiling for the second time that day, that he studied for a year in America. I always found it interesting that many Europeans refer to us as Americans and rarely made the distinction between Canada and the US unless you pointed it out to them. I guess to them we were just one big happy family of North Americans over there across the sea. But Stefan seemed to understand at least some of our differences, which was clearly evident when he reminded me that there weren't any Tim Hortons or people that said A in the States. I wondered how much of this knowledge had been attained through his own observations, or Tilly's. When we reached Tilly's big green door, Stefan said, I'll be back in a little while, okay? Where are you going? Tilly asked. A hint of concern in her voice. Then he spoke in French to Tilly for the first time. Il faut du vin pour mon ami Giovanni, no? Si, si, Tilly agreed as Stéphane turned around and headed down the street in search of some good Italian or French wine for dinner. I was glad to have some time alone with her to talk about her unique situation. Does Stéphane know, Giovanni? I asked as we trudged up the wide staircase to her apartment. Oh, sure, they know each other quite well. We've been out on many occasions altogether. The three of you? Tilly laughed. Sometimes it is just the three of us. Sometimes it's a whole crowd of us. What's the deal with Stefan and you anyway? What do you mean? She looked like a child that had just been caught hiding candy. What do you mean? What do you mean? We're just friends, she replied, trying to hide a smile. Yeah? I asked in a tone that made it completely obvious that I didn't buy her story. Yeah, she answered. We met each other at a dig site and we hang out a little. We aren't lovers. We've never even kissed. It's not like that with Stefan. She was trying so hard to convince me that there wasn't anything between them, but I sensed that there was more between them than she was willing to admit. Tilly seemed to have forgotten that I also inherited some of my mother's intuitive talent. We had each taken a turn in the bathroom, freshening up, then sprawled out at opposite ends of her small couch. Twenty minutes later, the conversation resumed right where it had left off. You know, she started, I actually knew Stefan months before I met Giovanni. When I introduced them, they really seemed to take to each other. I mean, they're not best friends or anything, but they... She paused, looking for the right words to describe this odd relationship. They appreciate each other. Really, I said, my voice filled with sarcasm. Yes, really, she replied defensively. But before I could drill her some more, the door buzzer had gone off. Oh, here's Stefan, she said, jumping up to let him in. Saved by the bell for now, Tilly. (laughs) (laughs) So there's an interesting relationship there going on a little, thre- not a threesome, like,
1: but you know what I mean? Well, that might be fun. <laughs> when Especially I- if there are two men involved. Oh, no. don't, get, don't get started. Oh, man.
0: Well, obviously, there's like, they're all friends, but um, there's something brewing, I feel like
1: it seems like it. I I'm interested in reading the chapters that follow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's I, you'll like the chapters that follow. It's, it's the sisters kind of, you'll you'll learn things about the sisters and their relationship in the, in the next, I think it's the next one, the next chapter. I'm not sure, but, um, I like her time in Italy. It's so fun. And her, it kind of takes her away a little bit from her own dilemma. Right? So, she can kind of appreciate. she can kind of get taken away a little bit with the other things that are she's seeing and, you know, experiencing, and kind of live live her sister's, you know, interesting life for a little bit and forget,
1: right? It seems like a nice adventure for her. She had her child so young, and so now she has an opportunity to experience life uh, as a 20 something year old, all these years later, even though she's much older than that. She's not that much older. She's only 30, (laughs) 20
0: something. She could be like two years away from a 20 something, right? (laughs) But no, (laughs) I'm thinking back when I was 30 and I think, oh yeah, I already had a child and you know, married house, all that kind of stuff. I feel like 30 year olds now are not as, as old as I felt. It wasn't just where I was at my stage in life. I kind of, I'm getting
1: totally off topic here, but I felt older. You know what I mean? Well, you had a responsibility. You had a husband and you had at least one child pretty early on. So it is a different lifestyle to have kids. And even when you're 30, there's the kind of responsibility that goes with having a child versus somebody who's 30 without children who answers only to themselves and maybe a partner.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, it's it's interesting when I talk to um, younger people, and they ask me when I had my first child, Brandon, and I say, "Oh no, when I got married," mm-hmm. and I say twenty five. I think about that now, and I'm like, "I it, that's young actually, by today's standards.
1: What was I thinking?" <laughs> It was young. And I don't have children myself, but my mother had me when she was 23. And it is very young. And my mum's mum was only 45 when she was a grandmother. So things have changed. I'm not sure that happens at all with the same frequency it did not that long ago. Very different. My, do you know how old my
0: grandmother was when she was a grandmother? I think she was 37.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: She was really young. Yeah. It's very different. I feel like as time goes on, it's going to get later and later, but I feel also like we're like, we don't, when I think about my parents and my grandparents, what they looked at, like at my age, I'm not going to say what my age is, but I feel like I, we look younger Mm -hmm. than our parents' generation. Mm -hmm. Is it because we have an easier life? I don't feel like my life's that easy, but it's easier than many people. Or is it because our health care is better? Is it because we are, more, you know, we know how to live better and take care of ourselves. It's, it's very interesting. Like I'm just even looking at you right now and you look like 12. Like, <laughs> you look, you know, one wrinkle like you look very young right and people have told me that too about
1: myself mm-hmm. that I look great. but I think it also is you know genetics right maybe we have good genes but you know it's funny that we're talking about this in aging because I think sometimes we look at we look at our parents generation or we look at our grandparents generation and think very much what you just said that people looked older when they were younger. But then part of me wonders if, is that happening because we're getting closer to that age and we don't feel as old as we are? So I wonder if maybe they didn't look so old, but our perception of them then was that they're old and we were younger. So we look at it from a different perspective. Sometimes I feel like I'm not much older than in my early to mid 20s. But then I look at pictures of myself when I was that age, or I look at current kids or young adults that are currently in their early to mid 20s. And I recognize that, yes, there is a difference there. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, they say that even as you
0: age, you inside, it's how you feel inside. And I don't know what I was watching, but it was some older woman that she's probably in her eighties. And she said she still felt 16 inside. So sometimes I, I don't think we always, we, we still have those same, sometimes those same emotions. Like I when I think about how much I love Justin Bieber, I think, and that happened in my later, I think I'm regressing actually. I'm becoming more like a teenager as I
1: get older. <laughs> See As soon as, as, soon as I, I start to. Talk, With you every day. (laughs) Okay, so we're laughing here. Anita's, (laughs) Anita's laughing a lot, and you know what? It's because it's so true. regressing it's not just looking young for someone who's an adult of a certain age but also feeling it and behaving it and that and that's what makes life fun right it, it age yes is just a number and you know the packaging on the outside is a bonus if it looks pretty good but at the same time we've got to feel it on the inside and live that way and so Very well put, Kat. thank you for for
0: getting some composure there, every time I'm with you, we get have these fits of laughter, and I don't know what it is about you when we get together. Oh, oh. We really got off track there, didn't we? We're talking about like love and threesomes.
1: getting <laughs> <laughs> get started again. Anyway, maybe we should just end it there. I'm glad nobody knows our last names. Oh, dear, Catherine, I'm so glad you came and we did this together. I'm glad I came too. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to reading the rest of the book for a second time because it's been a while since I've read the the book cover to cover, and I enjoyed it then, and it's reminding me of how much I enjoy it now, so I'm going to read the rest. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: So I guess we'll end it there. I hope you enjoyed our our podcast today. A little bit of giggling, maybe too much giggling this time around. I do hope you join us for our next few chapters. Uh, I guess that will be episode nine. Ooh, we're getting there. Anyway, take care, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.